Hey guys, how are you doing? I wonder how your week has been so far. I do think about you, you know, even though I don't really hear back from you. I've had a great week. This past week, both my daughters, Sophie and Jess, were able to come. Jess came from Texas, and Sophie came over too with their kids. So we had a house full of grandkids, and it was pretty crazy. Oh, and Kate was home too. I can't forget Kate. She came home too for most of the weekend. So yeah, the full house. And I also heard about my West Coast Webbers. They went on a fun camping trip with their dad. So my, my little grandkids out there were having a super fun time. Lots of fun times. And, well, it got me thinking about parenting in general. You know, I have to say, it's pretty cool. It's really cool that I'm getting to see my kids be parents. And here's an interesting thing. They all parent so differently. And I think it's great especially after last week's episode about careless words and not being judgmental. I love the idea of allowing for different styles, for different strategies, even in the same family. I think it's so important to be respectful that God is directing families to do things differently and that that's okay. We don't have any issues with that in our family. I just say that in general. You know, that's why God's design was families. If he wanted us all to parent exactly the same way, he would have created institutions. No, he created family units. And speaking of doing things differently, it was making me think about, you know, back in the day when we had kids at home. Well, our kids loved to talk about some of the unique discipline strategies that we had. I think they thought we were kind of crazy. But I wanted to share with you uh, some of the things that they usually mention. So, you know, most of these stories have to do with trying to get our children to get along better. You can can use these if you want to, or you can just laugh along with them. So, one of our unique strategies was when they weren't getting along, we tied two children together with a bandana, nothing, you know, dangerous, tied their wrists together and made them serve, make and serve everyone else lunch. That was their punishment for not getting along. Another time, Wes's favorite was making them hold, sit in the living room alone, holding hands, staring at each other, and they had to sing a praise song and pray. That was their punishment for not getting along. Another time, I think it was usually Wesley, had to dig a hole with a shovel, like so deep. Wes would just have him do that sometimes when he had a bad attitude. Um, Or this was one of my favorites. Move a whole bunch of stuff like sticks or bricks. Bricks was the one that I had seen this suggested somewhere. Move a pile of stuff in the yard from one side of the yard to the other and then back again. So there was no purpose to think, but why do you want it moved, Mom? Only to teach you to have a good attitude. That's the whole point because you're not even accomplishing anything. You just have to do it with a good attitude. That was one of my favorites. So if anyone ever had a bad attitude, that would be the lesson. And then another one I did, because all of my kids love to talk as much as I do, it was severe consequence if I told them they weren't allowed to talk for a certain amount of time. They hated that. And usually it was if they were, you know, speaking unkindly. I would say, all right, you can't talk for an hour. And that was like the hardest thing in the world for them. It was kind of funny. I think they thought they were all kind of funny in, you know, in hindsight. Yep, we were very creative in our discipline. And there are so many ways to discipline kids and so many facets to 
all of what that entails, disciplining children. And I'm actually not going to talk about specifics um, in this podcast, so hopefully you didn't turn it off already (laughs) if you thought that's what I was going to do. I think every couple has to ask God what is right for their kids. But I do want to talk about a principle in discipline that applies to all of us, no matter what parenting style. Yes, I believe all Christian parents need to do this. And even if you're not a parent, please keep listening, because what I am really going to ponder here in this episode is how our Heavenly Father disciplines us, and that applies to everyone. Welcome to Pause and Ponder with Susie Weber. Thanks for joining me as we ponder the greatness of God and how He models parenting to us. God not only disciplines us for our good, but shows us how to discipline by His example. Let's get started. So I remember when I was back in the thick of motherhood and disciplining children was a huge part of my life. I came across a very familiar verse in my devotions, and it hit me in a new way. Nothing had changed, of course, but I just became more aware of the context of this verse, and it really opened my eyes to how God always disciplines us this way, and thus how we as parents should strive to discipline too. Can you guess what verse it is? It isn't in Hebrews. It isn't the one where it says the Lord disciplines those he loves. And it isn't in Proverbs. It's not anything about a rod. Well, it's Jeremiah 29, 11. It's usually a feel-good verse, a verse to help us have a good attitude, and mostly, I think we would all agree, to keep hoping. A verse full of hope and promise, and hang in there, it's sure to get better. You know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But if you back up and look at where this is in the book of Jeremiah, it is smack dab in the middle of severe consequences for bad behavior. Let me just give you a brief recap. And all you have to do, if you want to look at the brief recap, is look at chapter 29. kind of sums it up. I mean, you could read all 28 chapters before it, too. Uh, But even if we just look at chapter 29, this is a time in Israel's history when they had turned away from the Lord and followed after other gods. And God had kept calling them back over and over, but they kept refusing. I think of earlier Jeremiah where, I think it's in chapter 4 and a few other places around there in the beginning of Jeremiah, where it says, The Lord said, Return to me, return to me. But they wouldn't. They refused. It's just heartbreaking. But here in chapter 29, it starts off with Jeremiah writing a letter from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exile. And then it goes on to describe who those people are. So what is happening? People have already been taken from Israel and removed from their country. They lost their country. That was the consequence of their sin. And they had to go live in exile, oppressed by a foreign government living in a foreign land. So these are severe consequences, and this was a severe situation of sin. So it's severe discipline. But here is the amazing thing to me. In the very midst of telling them, this is your consequence, 
He gives them this amazing promise that now exists on countless painted boards and magnets and Bible covers. It's one that we all hold on to, and it's even a favorite verse for a lot of people. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I think people forget the first part of the passage where God says, you guys are in big trouble. That doesn't look as pretty on the living room wall. Not only is God saying you guys are in big trouble, but they already are in the big trouble. They've already been caught and they're in trouble. They're there. And this is in the letter. In this letter, Jeremiah has already said, before we get to verse 11, Jeremiah has already said, look, you're in Babylon. And he tells them to build houses and basically settle down. You're going to be here for a while. And don't believe anyone who tells you you're not going to be. This is like, you know, when you get sent to your room and your mom yells up the stairs, you're going to be there for a really long time. Well, except it's God. They're going to be there for a really long time. So they're being told, this isn't temporary. This is basically, you know, he even says specifically, 70 years. So for most of the people receiving the letter, it was going to be for the rest of their life, unless they were really little kids. So he says, you are in the midst of a difficult consequence. It's, it's really bad. You're going to be there for a long time. And then he says the verse that we all know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And like I said, I think we forget that this wonderful, loving verse is, is being said to people who are in big trouble. And that part doesn't, like I said, that part doesn't usually make it onto the living room wall. But you know, I really think it should. Personally, I take great comfort that even though God disciplines me, and he does, no matter how much I screw up, that discipline is accompanied, is partnered with hope. God's discipline can still be severe, and it can even hurt, but it comes from a God who will always see what I can become, my full potential, the me that is fully submitted to Christ, full of God confidence. And God reminds his people of this hope whenever he disciplines that's the principle that I'm looking at today. God reminds his people of this hope whenever he disciplines them. God never condemns you. Only Satan does that. God convicts and he corrects. He doesn't let sin slide. But it is always with this hope of the amazing person he's planned for us to be and that he can make us into that person. Maybe you needed to hear that today. I don't really know who's listening, but if you have wandered from God or maybe just made some stupid mistakes in the blink of an eye or for a half hour this morning, or even if bad habits are taking over part of your life, it's never too late. It's never too late to whisper, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Please help me. He will forgive, even if it comes with discipline. And the best part is, you don't have to get back in his good graces first. The good future he's planned for you, he wants to tell you about it even when you are in trouble with that discipline. He didn't wait till they got back to Israel to send the letter and say, oh, by the way, I, I have a good plan for you now. Now you've done your time, your 70 years. 
Now we can get going on the good plan. No, he wanted them to know the good plan all along. He didn't want them to forget the future he had for them while they were being disciplined. What God really wants is for us to surrender to him, to seek forgiveness and get right with him, not because we're afraid of hell or even afraid of the consequences of our sin, even though those are very real, but because of the future he has for us if we choose him. Even when we even when you're in big trouble, mister, God has a plan and a future, a good one for you, a future in relationship with him, right with him, serving him more like him. Now, how does this apply to parenting? Well, you know what? I think it really does. And this is where the pondering goes deeper for me because I think maybe we've heard those thoughts before about God's discipline. But for those of you listening who are parents, or if you're ever going to be a parent, let me just tell you, it challenged me as a parent to not just go halfway with discipline, but go all the way. Yes, we gave consequences for disobedience, and we focused on training and life skills and godly behavior. That's all part of discipline. But we at least tried. It was the goal to always pair that discipline whatever form it was, with hope, with a verbal reminder that we know they can do better, that God has important jobs for them to do, with that future. Just like God sent a letter telling them, hey, I have a good future for you in the midst of their discipline. What does this do when we go all the way with discipline and add hope? First, it reaffirms at a really difficult time, like when they're failing in some way, that we think they're awesome and that they can do great things. Kids need to hear that. Second, it gives them a reason to make good choices, to obey, because there's better things ahead. You know, it's important if their inner dialogue is telling them that they're a loser, they'll never get it right, they're always going to fail. We as parents need to be the ones to remind them, hey, no, I know you can do great things. Third, I think it shows respect and humility. Respect that this failure or whatever it is doesn't define them. You still value them. God still values them, no matter what the transgression. And humility, because we all screw up and God still forgives us. So, fourth, it solidifies the forgiveness we're hopefully offering to them. If we're spouting forgiveness affirming to them that there are good things ahead solidifies that forgiveness. Now, that's a lot of like, I guess you might think it sounds like being a cheerleader, and you know I love talking, right? But I'm taking my cues from God here in Jeremiah 29. And I think we need to say these things to our kids when we discipline, every time. Did I do it every time? No, I'm sure I did not. In fact, my kids might like not even know that I was trying to do that. But I think that's the goal, to say these affirming things full of hope to our children every time we discipline, because it's actually a part of God's discipline. So to discipline without it is to do the job halfway. Halfway sounds like, your room is always a mess. You're the messy one. You are grounded. End of discussion. If you misbehave, you're getting a spank. And you know what? I've said all of those things. 
And all of these things might be appropriate things to say at some point, but we have to not forget the other half, the hope. We assume kids know it, but they need to hear it just like we do. So what does all the way sound like? Well, for God, it sounded like you're staying here 70 years, but I'm coming back. You're going to you're going to come back to the land, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. For us, it might sound something like this to go all the way with discipline. Your room is always a mess. Let's think of one way you can be more responsible. You don't have to do it all at once, but you can change this habit if you work at it. I know you can do it. Or, you're grounded. Do you understand why? Let's talk about what you could do differently in an hour, or tomorrow, or whenever you feel like you'd be ready. And instead of, if you misbehave, you're getting a spank, first say, I know you can have a good attitude. You can do it. Remember when you had a good attitude yesterday? That was awesome. These are just examples. There are so many different ways to do this, and the main idea is that when you correct your child, you also offer hope. And that hope, it's more specific than you can be whatever you want when you grow up. Hope catches them being good and then reminds them of that when they are being bad. Hope is found in praise, in pointing out their potential, and having the expectation that they will make a good choice, that they will obey that they will do a good job. Let me say that again. Having the expectation that they're going to make a good choice, that they're going to obey, that they're going to do a good job. Now you might say, oh, but you don't know my kid. Okay, but are they ever going to try if your words have already convinced them they'll just fail? Yes, I know I have an idealistic personality, but God is the one who said to a severely disobedient, messed up people, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Our expectations for our children need to be in line with the expectations God had for his children. And you know, a lot of the time, they know our expectations even just in our attitude even when we don't say anything. Come on, let's be honest. Think about each of your kids. What are you expecting them to do tomorrow or even tonight? Perhaps it's us parents who need an adjustment, not just the kids. Aren't we all glad that God is so gracious and gives us clean slates and second chances and even the power to love in ways we can't do on our own? Well, let's remember that just like God can do in you what you could never have done on your own, God can do in your child what he or she can never do on their own. Let that fuel your expectations. Yes, keep disciplining, but go all the way, and let this be your friendly reminder to include hope. And if you don't have kids, please don't miss what you can still ponder here, if you even stuck with me this long. Remember, this is how God disciplines us. Does God hate sin? Yes. Are there consequences for sin even when we ask God to forgive us? Sometimes. But even when we sin and we are disciplined with the consequences, like going to jail if you murder someone, or paying back a credit card debt, 
or a relationship forever changed, or maybe a job lost. Whatever the consequences, whatever the discipline, even in the midst of it, not after you get through it, but in the midst, God offers hope. He has a plan for you. Even if he is saying, you're in big trouble now, he also says, I see so much I can do through you. You and me, we've got a great future together. No matter what trial you are facing or what you're going through with your kids, I hope that this is what you are hearing from God. You and me, we've got a great future together. Till next time. Thank you.